Good morning, how's everybody doing? Great to be with you today. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited to have Evan. Evan, introduce yourself, man. We got Evan up here. Hi. I'm Evan. Hi. How you doing? Typical Gen Z, hey. What's up? Evan sings in our band. He does a great job every single week. Love having you up here, man. Great Thank to have you. you here. Thank you. And so, Evan, tell them where you're from a little bit. Just give us a little background. Yeah, I'm from Virginia, which is called the South, where I'm from. But it, you guys would say, oh, you're from the North. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's way colder there right now, even than it is here. Um, and my, I've been here about five years at Church Unlimited. It's been amazing. And um, my first winter here was when it snowed after like 20 years with no snow. And yeah. I joked, I was like, I brought it with me. You're welcome. You did. You literally did. And we're grateful for that. We appreciate that. And so no, great to have you up here. All, not only do you sing, and I always tell Evan, honestly, when he sings, God just shows up. Is it not true? I mean, he's just so talented. Thank you. Man. And we are, we are blessed to have great talent. I mean, at Amazing. all of our campuses, we really are blessed. Well, you're a great addition. We're so thankful to have you here. You. And uh, this guy's amazing. And ladies, he is single. <laughs> just putting it out there, bro. The odds are going up every service. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm just trying to hook a brother up. That's all I'm saying. All right. So thank you. You know, you never know what God's going to do. Like I said, Church Unlimited, ring by spring, or your money back. That's how we roll. <laughs> so, uh, yes, glad you are here. So, good stuff. Well, we've been cool. doing this new series. You know, really, man, I'm amazed at how much great feedback we're getting about this series. Everyone called loves it. Asking for a Friend. We just took in questions from you, from, from not only our online audience, but also from you at all for campuses. And we've got some incredible questions. I mean, just blew, blew me away. We had to whittle it down to just these. We literally did. We had over 300 and something questions come ones. in. We still get probably 50 questions a week right now. It's like, Okay, we really, we can't take any more questions. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. And so it's been so popular. I think we're going to do it again next year. We should. And so it's really been a fun series. Are you guys enjoying it? Because we're having fun. I hope it's helping someone. And so we're going to dive right in. Yeah, let's get right into yeah, let's it. Do it. Um, we, we tried to pick the ones that we saw often on the list. So yeah. like, we yeah. think these are the questions that a lot of people are asking. Yeah. And I know this is one because I've heard people ask this. Uh, let's start here. I'm scared to pray out loud. What should I do? That's a great question. The answer is you should never pray. Just don't do it, okay? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, actually, here's the thing about prayer is that I understand being nervous to pray out loud. I, I really do get that. But I just want to kind of attack the question for a moment. Honestly, that's totally performance-based. It's like I have to sound good to other people. So let's take that away right now. And it's actually the best thing you could do to learn to pray out loud. You just do it when no one's around. It's just, just try it alone, right? And just do it. And even if your prayer is like this, like, hey, God, I know you're there. I love you. Amen. That's great. That's a prayer. Good prayer. That's a great prayer, right? And so, and then over time, you'll get more comfortable with it. But the only people in the Bible that Jesus ever got onto them the way they prayed out loud were the Pharisees because they were trying to impress other people. Yeah, it's, so it's not. It's really not about that people. at all. It's, it's just about personal conversation with you and God. And I know if you, you may say, but, but other people with me, and I totally get that. I've had a lot of men tell me they have a hard time praying with their wives, like mm -hmm. that's new to them. And so I tell them the first time, grab their hands and just close your eyes and just say, dear Jesus, I'm praying, amen. And just get the first one done. You rip, know what I mean? Rip like the just, just rip the band aid. Right, yeah. right. And then you'll get more comfortable as you do it. But I thought you had a great way when I was talking to you earlier about this, about how you pray in the mornings. I think this is a simple thing anyone could do. Yeah, this is what I do in the mornings. I, I write down three thank yous and three help me's. So you write down thank you for blank, thank you for blank, three times. Yeah. And you write help me with blank, help me with blank, three times. And it's easy. All you do is fill it in. I love that. And so that. you're practicing gratitude yeah. and you're practicing reliance by doing those two things. That's you're good. bringing your needs to God, but you're also recognizing the needs he's already met. That's a great word right yeah. there. 
That's great. It's beautiful. I can't. I don't want to add anything to that. That's beautiful. I think that's a simple thing right I, there. I really it's like great. that you pointed out that prayer is not performance-based. Yeah. Because I think the only reason you're afraid is you think you have to impress people. Right. And it, it, like you said also, it being a conversation with mm -hmm. God, the more you and I talk, the yeah. easier it gets for us to talk because yeah. we've got more experience. And God's, right. your relationship with him is the same thing. Absolutely. The more you talk to him, you just become more comfortable. The easier it gets. Yep. Yeah. Totally that's agree. That's great. That's it's a good. great one. Good word. Let's go on to the next one. Pastor Bill, how do you break generational curses? This is, believe it or not, a common question. Uh, when I used to do, um, when I used to host on TBN years ago, this was the number one prayer request people had when they would call in. I was like, I was shocked. I was like, wow. I honestly had to stop and look it up. Like, what is a generational curse? Mm -hmm. It's actually found in Exodus chapter uh, 20, verse 4. It says this. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and the entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey, obey my commands. So uh, I think it's easy to think, okay, so maybe you feel like you're living in a generational curse. And there may be some truth to that. Here's what generational curse really is. I think we over-spiritualize a little bit. It's really just it's more habits. Practical. Yeah, it's habits. And so basically, if, if you struggle with drinking, you may have had a father or mother that struggled with drinking. Yeah. And so you learned that behavior somewhere. And then, you know, your, your mother or father had a liquor cabinet. You got into it probably in high school, right? And then you picked up on the habit. It was around you. It, it was around you. And so in the same way, uh, you know, smoking, a lot of times uh, people don't even know what it's like to be healthy because they've lived in a house full of smoke. They go to their friend's house. They're like, oh my gosh, it smells amazing in here. And yeah. I can breathe because they're not used to it. They don't realize there's a whole nother way to live. So I think we just, we learn our habits. Maybe, maybe you have a temper problem. I bet you probably had a parent or two that had a temper problem. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these are just learned behaviors. And so here's the great thing about learned behaviors. They can be unlearned. And so you can just make a decision. And really the way to break a generational habit is the simplest thing ever all throughout scripture. And that is the word repent. Repent literally means to go in another direction. You just say, I'm just not going to be turn around. that person. To turn around, literally. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe for you, you're dealing with generational poverty, you know? And then maybe you don't think of it this way, but actually that, that's actually the mishandling of money is what that really is. And that's actually sinful. God wants us to handle money better. So maybe for you, you grew up in a home that you just spent everything you got as soon as you got it. And so it's easy to get in that habit and do that, do that the same. And so, but you can change those, your, your, your habits and you can, you can make your habits godly. My, my mother uh, started going to church uh, with her grandmother. She married my dad. My dad was not a believer. Then um, she decided once they had kids, she said, I want to take the kids to church. Let's go to church. And he didn't want to go. But she just stayed faithful and was going. And guess what? Eventually it won him over. Then that won their parents over, believe it or not. So it goes both ways. It went up it and went down. It went up and down. Right. And so then my sister and I are, are a huge part of, of church. Church is a huge part of our life and our kids the same way. And so it really is true that when you begin to live faithful to God, it'll go for generations. Here's the great news. What I'm really trying to tell you is that God's grace lasts a thousand times longer than his wrath. Isn't that great to know That's that? Great. So if you just make a decision to say, I want to live differently. I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be uh, depressed. I don't want to be unhealthy. I don't want to be fighting. I want to have peace in my home and love and joy in my home. Mm -hmm. You can make a decision on those things and you can see the things change. You can see things change overnight. What does it come down to? It comes down to you. You can be a difference maker. In fact, sometimes people are lacking motivation for why they want to change. One of the best motivations is that if you will overcome the sin you're dealing with, your, sin, your kids won't deal with that sin. 
Wow. And that to That's me powerful. is worth it alone right there to overcome it. So you can break a generational curse right now by just saying, God, forgive me. I want to live differently and then choose a new path. And so good news. That's great. I love yeah. that. I, I love that you called it a generational habit. I think yeah. that's actually a better term for it. It really is. Because a, yeah. a curse feels like, what do I do about a curse? But a yeah. habit, it's like, oh, I can change yeah, a habit. Yeah, I can habit. change a habit. Yep. Or make a generational mm-hmm. blessing. You know, I was just at the West Side this last week. God was just moving powerfully. It was incredible. We gave out over 400 turkeys. It was incredible. And I want to show you some pictures. I had a chance just to go through the line and just hug people's necks, tell them God loves them. It was such a good time praying for people as well. What's really cool, they show our messages. Oh, look, there's a turkey giving away a turkey right there. Look at that. <laughs> I love that great. And so what's beautiful about it is they actually show the sermons there too. So people are getting saved there as well. And I'll have people standing in line telling me about my messages. It's incredible. One lady was like, three doors, the three doors. I want to go through the door of wisdom. I was like, oh, you've been listening to the message. So it's just really cool how God was moving over there. And I'm really proud of our West Side Mission. Every week. Let's give it a a hand for our West Side Mission people. They're amazing. Our volunteers blow my mind. And so... Our West Side mission, just here in Corpus alone, reaches over 20,000 people a year. Wow. And so it impacts them and ministers them. So it's just an amazing thing. And so just thank you for the support you give to the church. That's way, the way that happens. And so really cool. But what are we doing over there? We're helping break generational poverty. Mm-hmm. We literally are because poverty is taught. But guess what? Abundance can also be taught. Yes. And so you really Planning can, be, can taught. be taught. Planning can be taught. Saving can be taught. And so responsibility is taught. So mm-hmm. good things are happening over there. So I love that. So, yep, good stuff. That's amazing. Great stuff. Um, you talked about how what we do affects the next generation. It kind of brings us to the next question. I think yeah. a lot of people are dealing with this. Yeah. I had a child out of wed. Not me. I'm asking for a friend. Okay. Ask- asking for a friend. Here's the to question. To be clear. Here's the question now. Yeah. I had a child out of wedlock. Yeah. Is God mad at me? That's a great question. Uh, first of all, I want to tell you, no, God's not mad at you. In fact, actually, in America, um, 60% of children today that are born are born out of wedlock. So more are born out of wedlock than in, in wedlock now. I so, did not know that. So, wow. yeah, it's actually crossed that chasm now. And so it's a, it's a real issue. Um, and so b- just because God's not mad at you doesn't mean he doesn't have a better way. He does have a better way. So I want to be real clear here. It's kind of hard sometimes when you teach God's word because people think, oh, you're just judging me. and I'm really not. But if you've had a child out of wedlock, I don't need to tell you how hard that is. Yeah. Like, like you already know. And so the reason why God has a better way is to help you, not to point a finger at you and say, how dare you? He's not, he's not doing that. God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He loves you. Yes. Like he's crazy about you. And so he wants to help you live in a better way. And so in Genesis 1, he teaches us the order. The order is Adam, Adam first of all, got a job. Okay, first thing, right? He was in a relationship with God and he got a job. Those are two important things, ladies. You catch that? He was in a relationship with God and he got a job. Very important, okay? Then and only then did God bring him Eve. That okay? order is so crucial. That, the order is yeah. crucial, right? Get He's those like, two things I'm going to take care of myself and my responsibilities. Yes. Then God brings me the woman, right? Absolutely. So then they, they get married and then after they get married, they have children. And so, but we've reversed the order. And so what happens, we're all interested in junior high and high school. Like, I got to find the one for me. I'm like, really? Are you sure you don't have a job and you can't take care of yourself? But so I think we're really like jumping the gun here. Mm -hmm. And we wonder why we get ourselves in trouble. And of course, then you get your hormones kicking in. And the next thing you know, boom, you're popping out a kid. You're not married and you don't even have a job or education. So it creates- You get the order backwards. You get the order backwards. It makes life harder. Yeah. It's not that God's trying to tell you you're a terrible person. No, God's trying to say. He's trying to get you back on the right path. I have a plan for you. So he's trying to say I have an order for things. But here's the good news. God always interrupts when we mess up with his grace. 
And so God forgives us. The Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. All we have to do is confess it and then he will forgive us. And so having said that, God renews you and forgives you. And I want to speak real quick to the child of this, of of, of these, these parents now, right? These sudden parents. Maybe you had a child out of wedlock or maybe you are that child. The Bible says in Psalms 127, children are a gift, a reward from the Lord. You are not an accident. God had you planned all along. Just want to encourage you with that. So really, what are we supposed to do? The same thing we do with every other area of scripture. God paints a picture of what we're to shoot for. Mm -hmm. And then wherever you are, start making right decisions today. Even if you haven't before. Correct. I mean, that's one of our core values at Church Unlimited is grace. That's we believe it. that your past is, doesn't have to be your future. That's right. And so even if you've made mistakes, it's easy to think, oh, well, I messed up. So it's just, let's just yeah. keep messing up. But you should follow the mistake with the correction right. and go back in the right direction God wants you to go. Correct. I tell, I, I tell young singles, I tell singles this that are divorced and they're like, well, I've already blown them. I might as well just do whatever. And like, no, 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 no. That's how you got in the mess you got into last time. That phrase might as well. So yeah, might as well might is as well. very dangerous. And so instead say, you know what? No, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to wait to, to sleep with someone until I'm married to them. If you're like, but I'm, I've already been divorced. I've already done all that. And no, 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 no. Still but, do it right. But still do it right from this point forward and watch God bless that. He will bless because it's a principle. God so blesses good. his principles. And so if you begin to obey his word, he will always bless you. He never, ever fails to bless you for obedience. He kind of makes Every it easy. Time. He's like, things get mm-hmm. better when you do what I say. It's like, exactly. why don't we just do that? Right. Yeah. Life gets infinitely better when you obey the Lord. Yeah. It's really simple. Yep. That's so true. That's yep. Great. Good stuff. Um, let's go a little more theology. You've, yeah. you've talked about this a lot at Easter. I'm sorry. I hear talking in the front row and it's my wife who's talking <laughs> on the fr- Honey, we're having a message up here. I don't know if you're aware of that. Unbelievable. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. We, so, all know, uh, <laughs> we all know when we get home who's really going to be in trouble for this, don't we? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> don't clap for that. Don't encourage this. <laughs> I have no segue now. Yeah, so I know. Like, He's like, what do we do? <laughs> let's just go right to it. Um, <laughs> you've talked about some of this really practical, evidence-based theology stuff at Easter. It was one of my favorite messages you did, and Thank people you. are asking about it again. Yeah. How do we know Christianity is right, that it's true, and how do we defend our faith to people? That is a great question. I get this a lot, and, uh, and, and I have the same answer everywhere I go, and that is that we have evidence. And so sometimes the the danger of people saying, you just have to have faith, is that it makes it sound like we have no evidence, but we do. We have tons of evidence. And so when we say you should have faith, you have to apply your faith to the evidence because at some point you have to take a jump into the arms of God and say, okay, I believe this stuff. I'm going to trust God now, right? So you still have to do that. But that doesn't mean there's not evidence. There's tons of evidence. And so, you know, we put people behind bars when we have what, what, when we have corroborating evidence, if someone says, I saw them do it, right? Mm-hmm. And you have one eyewitness, someone can go to jail with one eyewitness for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Now they'll try to counterpoint the witness and they'll put them on the stand and all that. But if it stands up under scrutiny, you're like, yeah, you, I mean, the evidence is there, right? And so do you realize that there were over 500 witnesses who saw Christ raise again? It's a lot. So didn't, not, just, not just that he died, but he also, by the way, he died in the Roman court docket system. That was one of the most, first of all, one of the most cruel ways to die. I mean, they, Rome, the Rome 
if you know Rome, they were really good at killing people. They were like professionals. They knew how to do this. They were very effective. And so that's what he went through. Um, the, the Jews, people blame the Jews for his, for his death. I'm like, no, actually, it was the Romans that, yeah. that killed him. They could have stopped at any point in time. They did not do that. And so basically th- that he, he died. But what's most amazing is that not only is it recorded that he died, it's recorded over and over again that he rose again. In fact, you know, I know that we know about all the eyewitnesses in the Bible, but then the people say, well, what if, what if I don't believe the Bible? Well, here's the other thing. There's a lot of witnesses. For example, there's an eyewitness named Flavius Josephus. Josephus is the number one Jewish historian of all time. You ask anyone who's Jewish, if they grew up in a Jewish home, they already know who Josephus is. Yeah, he's very famous. Very well known. In fact, he, he actually openly said, I'm the best. <laughs> it's kind of funny. He was like, I'm the greatest historian, the Jewish historian of all time. He would say that in his writings. I think it's kind of funny. But anyways, but he really was. He was really amazing. Yeah. So think about this. He worked for the Romans. Okay, they paid his salary. Uh, but he also was Jewish. He grew up Jewish, married a Jewish girl, Jewish family, the whole thing, right? So he had no good reason to write about Jesus, right? So why would he have said, and I'm going to quote now, he said, perhaps Jesus was the Messiah. Why would he have said that unless it was his ego that he knew if I want to be considered the best, I have to tell the truth about what I see. In other words, he wrote history accurately. And so he went against what the Romans would want him to write or the Jewish people of the day would want him to write. And he wrote about it. Here's a couple other people. A guy named Cornelius Tacitus also wrote about, um, about Christ raising again. A guy named Lucian of Samosota also wrote about Christ raising again. A guy named Maimonides, that's a big word. Uh, he wrote about Good Christ job. rising again. Thank you. Yeah. In other words, these were all contemporaries that, that walked the earth. And they, these were essentially professors of their day. They were the educated who wrote, taught, and recorded history and gave comments on history in their day. And here's the most amazing part. We have all these writings. These are just a few. Okay. But again, over 500 witnesses. But here's what we don't have anywhere. We do not have a single document, not even one, refuting it from the first century. So no one refutes it? No one who was alive at that time no one, not denies one. that Jesus yeah. rose from So when from people the dead. say, oh, I had a professor. He said Jesus didn't really rise again. I'm like, oh, cool. Were they there? Well, the funny thing is the professors at that time right. agreed that These Jesus rose from the dead. These were the professors of their time. Yeah. These were the educated that could write, could freely even be able to write or read. It means you had to have an education. So we take it for granted because most of us have that today, but they didn't have that. It was very expensive. First mm-hmm. of all, it's private schools you're paying for. You sent your kids off to these schools. They lived in these schools typically. Very expensive. And so imagine paying for college at, at age six on, you know, I mean, it's crazy, right? So if you were educated, you knew about these things. No one refuted it. And so there's zero evidence of, of refuta- refutations, what they say. Here's the crazy thing. Historicity, if you study history, how they get history is called historicity. There were over 30,000 documents. They've got fragmentations. You can go online and Google image biblical fragmentations, and you will see the writings yourself. I mean, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, the school that I went to is the largest seminary in the world. It's in Fort Worth, Texas. They have fragments there in a, in a library, in, in, in a museum, basically. You can go to the Louvre and see it. You can go to the Smithsonian. Probably one of the coolest places, the biggest collection I've ever seen now, they just put together in the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., which is well worth your time. It's amazing, by the way. But I'm telling you, there's actual fragments of all this. People saw Christ rise again. That's why it changed history. And so what you're believing in is not a myth or a fable. It's facts. That's why Christianity is legit. That's why. And when people say, what's the difference between Christianity and other world religions? Can I just be sincere in my faith? But what if you're sincerely wrong? So all these people claim that they had a way to get to God, but Jesus never said that. He said, I am the way. Yeah. 
the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. And he said, I'm going to die and I'm going to resurrect. And he did it. That's what's supernatural. What is supernatural? It supersedes the natural. He's the only one who's died and rose again. That's why we know he's the Christ. And that's why. It too. Yeah, and he predicted. He said, said he was, was going to do, do it, it, then he did it. I mean, it's pretty amazing. You know, that's when you know you're pretty amazing at what you do. It's like, hey, I'm about to make this basketball move. I'm going to do this move, this move, and I'm going to do it right over your head. You'd be like, no, you're not, because you just told me what you're going to do. And then he does it. <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, okay. You know, like Kobe would just tell people what he's going to do and then just dunk right on their head, right? You're like, <laughs> yeah. that's why you're Kobe Bryant, right? And so Jesus is like, I'm going to do this, and then he did it. And so the proof is right there. And here's another proof. I just want to throw this out. 10 out of the 11 disciples died for their faith. So if it was a lie, don't you think when they had a sword standing over you about to kill you, you'd be like, whoa, 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 stop. We made the whole thing up. No need for us to die today. But no one did that. They all died. What would make you die for a lie? Nothing. I would never die for a lie. But what would make you be willing to die unless it was so unbelievable, so irrefutable that even your life was worth less than your truth? That it was so legit wow. that you're like, you can take my life because I know where I'm going. Because I know the one who can get me there. And his name is it. Jesus. I saw it with my own eyes. I know he's the Messiah. Wow. So, yeah. So that's why you can know that Christianity is real. Dang, go off, Pastor Bill. Let's go. Dang. Also, I liked historicity. Historicity, big word there. That was good, yeah. Big word, Pastor Bill's go. word of the day. <laughs> go use that in a sentence this week. There you people go. will be like, wow, he's smart. Yeah. <laughs> um, you talked about other religions a moment ago. It kind yeah. of brings us to something that we're seeing is really, really prevalent in today's day and age. Yeah. So here's our next question. Okay. Is astrology biblical? That's a great question. I get that question, believe it or not, quite a bit. Um, so astrology is, it's, it's real, real meaning that people do it, but it's not real in what they're doing, meaning that like it's, they're making stuff up, is what I'm trying to say in a nice way. So let me show you scripture on this. It says in Jeremiah chapter 10, it says in verse two through four, it says, do not act like the other nations who try to read their future in the stars. Do not be afraid of their predictions, even though other nations are terrified by them. Their ways are futile and foolish. They cut down a tree and a craftsman carves an idol. They decorate it with gold and silver and then fasten it securely with a hammer and nails so it won't fall over. I love that part. <laughs> Basically, the whole thing isn't real. And so in the same way, if someone says, I'm an Aquarius or whatever, it's, it's just, it's made up stuff, you know. And so now, are the stars really aligned? Absolutely. Is there something we can read from the stars? Yes, you can read time. Mm -hmm. you, you can. You can, by, by the seasons, you know, people do that all the time. To. Yeah, and so astronomy is a very real thing. Astrology is what we're talking about, which is when you essentially worship the stars, let that guide you. You know, we never want to worship something that's created. We only worship the creator. That's a good one. And so that's, that's really the difference. So it, thank you. And... In Daniel chapter 1, keep in mind that the astrologers got it wrong when the king was asking about interpretation, but Daniel got it right because he sought God. Mm -hmm. he, did, he went back to his home like he normally did every day and prayed, said, God, you know, there's a problem the king's asking for me. What should I say? And the Lord told him, revealed to him exactly what to say, and he was dead right. And so the astrologers are wrong. Also in Isaiah, it's condemned. In Deuteronomy 18, it's also condemned. And so we don't want to be yeah, looking at the stars. Clear. Very, very clear about this stuff. And, and can I just say this too? Uh, the Bible is our guide. Psalms 119, 105 says uh, that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Go to God's word. That will guide you. That's so good. And it, it kind of brings us to another thing that we're seeing right yeah. now. I was going to say it's really big in Gen Z, but yeah. it's really big on TikTok. And everyone's on TikTok. So it's right. really bigger than really just Gen Z. Beyond it's just, your generation here's now. Here's what's yeah. current and trending right now is we're seeing a rise in like witchcraft, in crystals, 
tarot card readings, yeah. th things of that nature Wicca, are really, really big right now. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we need to be clear with those things too. All of those are substitutes, copies yeah. of things that God does for you. And you yeah. don't need those things because right. God does all those things for you. You read tarot cards to read your future, but God is the one who created yeah. you and planned out your future. And it's not even accurate. It's not, I mean, it's not yeah. even, right? they've been, they've been proven time and time again and if you it, they're so it's so obvious if you listen to them you're like you know you have a bright future they're like oh, i do the man's coming in your life that means the guy's walking by you in the hallway in the next five minutes i mean <laughs> i mean it's, it's mind-blowing yeah. so i just want to encourage you you know please don't fall for this it's a money-making scheme mm -hmm. and, and even more scary is the spiritualism that's real because there's only two kinds of spirits there's either the holy spirit or evil spirits so it's even worse if it's real. Some of it's real and you just need to stay you away from it. You need to stay away it. from that stuff. Yeah, the whole crystal. To, oh, here, I want to give you a crystal to protect your bedroom at night. That may be the very thing keeping your bedroom from being protected. I would get rid of that stuff and, and trust and in the God Lord. And God can protect yeah. you just fine. That's exactly right. You have all you need in God. That's, That's the right. main thing. It's not to put the yeah. focus on these other things. That's right. God protects you. God tells you your future. God can tell you more yeah. about who you are yeah. than Something that says you're adventurous because you were born in December. Right. That's not even very specific. God can tell you specific things about yeah. you that those things could never tell you. That's so. correct. Yeah. Good word. That's yep. great. Here's, here's one really practical one that okay. always seems to help people. And this is your most, this thing you're about to share, I think it's actually your most popular message on YouTube. It is. Uh, like how to hear from God. Mm -hmm. So how do I know God's will? How do I look for signs? to know what God wants me to do. This question, I get an iteration of this question every single week just about in the atrium. Someone's like, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out what God wants me to do, this and that. So here's the five ways that you can know God's will. If you want to take some notes, here they are. Ready? The first one is circumstances. So if you're like, I'm, I think God may want me to go to this college. Okay, well, apply for it. If you don't get in, God doesn't want you to go to that college. And so God uses circumstances. We don't like this truth, but a lot of times one of the biggest ways God gets us where we're supposed to go is by giving us a big fat no on some mm -hmm. things. So some things you're just not supposed to do. It's, it's just not God's will. It's not God's direction. And so, you know, I, I wanted to go to a certain school. I couldn't get in. My daughter's at that school now, but I wanted to go and I couldn't get in. She could. That's great. I think the advantage she has is that she does not have my DNA. That's why she got in is because she does not have <laughs> My DNA. Anyway, so yes, yeah, we adopted her. But anyways, but, but I really wanted to go there, but God said no. I ended up at a different school. Didn't like it. Ended up at another school. That's where I met my wife. So I'm so thankful that God let that series of events lead me mm -hmm. to who he wanted me to be with. And so, you know, that was God's will. But the circumstances at first were just no, no, no. If you're dating, by the way, I, I hear uh, people say this all the time when they're dating. They're like, it's just so hard because every time I date someone, we just break up. Right? Until you get married, that's what you're going to do. Like that's, yeah, that's the process. The process is break up, break up, break up. This is the one, right? <laughs> or break up, break up, break up, break up, break up, break up. Then this is the one, right? But, but at some point in time in there, you have to realize that God uses no's. So that, that's a good it thing. It might be the best thing for it you. It may be a really good thing. Yeah, God may use those no's. I always joke around that when I went back to my high school reunion and saw the girl that said no to me. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for a no. <laughs> she said no, and now you said yes. Yes. So thank you, God. So God uses circumstances. The second one is this. God uses other godly people. And so if you violate this one, you are asking for punishment. You're asking for pain in your life. If, if this you've one's got so common too. other godly people going, I don't think I would do that, that if you violate that, you are just asking to be in pain. I'm just, I just need to warn you now. Like if you're, if everyone's saying, I wouldn't take that job or I wouldn't trust that person or I wouldn't go there, then you need to listen to that. That's really important. So listen to other godly people's wisdom. It will really guide you and protect you from a lot of pain. The third way we get God's will is from the 
word. And so what I call the word of God, I call it the safety net of God's will because God will never lead you to do something that violates the truth of God's word. Yeah. So I can promise you it's not God's will. If you're like, oh, I know God wants me to be with my secretary and leave my wife. Nope, not God's will. Know that for a fact because God's word would be violated if you did that. Okay. And so always go back to his word. Uh, the next one is the Holy Spirit. When you pray, when you're in worship, you know, what comes to mind? What do you feel like God's bringing to your mind? Oftentimes that's, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. The language of the Holy Spirit, according to Joel chapter two, is through dreams and visions. What that means is you'll get kind of a preferred picture in your brain of like your future, what that's going to look like. And that's one of the ways you know God's direction for your life. One of the things that happened to me was I was in a church service um, with, I believe, uh, a dark room, a lot of people, a really big stage and a pastor that was speaking to unchurched people and people were being saved. And I got a vision then of doing the same thing. And now here I am wow. 25 years later doing that. So God gave me that vision before I came and did it. So it's cool. And then the fifth way you get God's will, believe it or not, is through your own desires. So the Bible says in, in Psalms 37, four, delight yourself in the Lord. Don't forget that part. If you're not doing that, the second part doesn't work. Delight yourself in the Lord and then he will give you the desires of your heart. So what does that mean? Now, I, I include this one last, because if you start with this one, you'll go in the wrong direction probably, Definitely. okay? Because our desires can be wrong. So if you submit your desires to God, to his will, to other godly people, to circumstances, to the Holy Spirit. And so what does this mean? I'm in prayer, I'm following God, I'm plugged in a church, I'm a tither, I'm serving, I'm submitted to do God's truth, I'm morally doing what God says to do. I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm honoring God and striving to follow him. If I'm doing all those things, guess what I should do next? Whatever I want. You know why? Because now God's shaping my desires. So he will lead you into what is next for your life. The Bible even says, another translation says, he will give you the secret petitions of your heart. The things you don't even tell anyone else about, but you know you really desire that. If you'll honor the Lord, he will bless you in those ways. Here's why. Because he shaped you to want certain things. I mean, Evan, no one has to tell you to sing. You want to sing. They have God, to tell me to stop. Well, they have to tell you to stop, right. Yeah. Right, because you love what you do, right? Yes. They have to tell me to stop all the time when I go too long. I get it. <laughs> so I love what I do. And so God designed you to do something, to be with someone, to live a certain place. God designed you for those things to make a difference. And so that's how you get God's will, those five ways. That's so good. And, and we're going to be posting those five ways yeah. to hear from God on Pastor Bill's TikTok and his yep. Instagram. So make sure you follow him and, and look out for that post and save it. Because yeah. then whenever you have a decision to make, you should literally run through those five things. That yeah. saved me. After yeah. hearing that message from you the first time, I had to use that five. And it's, yeah. I ended up making a no that was going to be a yes. And it saved me. That's good. So. Well, and, and let me just tell you too, the, the bigger the decision, the more you need all five speakers. I, I, call, I call it surround sound, right? I need all five speakers speaking to me at once. And they only be saying the same thing. The bigger the decision, the more you need clarity, clarity, clarity. Don't move forward until God gives you that. That's so good. Thank you. Um, here's our last question. We, we saved this one for last. Time flies, doesn't it? it like quick, I can't right? believe it's, wow, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, here's our last one. And okay. we saved this one for last because it's a little... It's a little heavier. It's a tough question. Yeah. Um, but one I think a lot of people need to know. Okay. If someone commits suicide, do they go to hell? It's a great question. I get this question a lot. Um, the thing about this question is that if you lost a friend or a family member, then you pretty desperately want this question to go a certain way. If you are a mother of a child who is highly depressed and even in despair, then you really want me to answer it another way. In other words, this is a highly 
emotional question. It's emotionally charged. So the first thing I want to do before I answer the question is tell you that if you are struggling with thoughts of suicide, number one, you're not alone. It's very common now. In fact, it's become more common than ever. Last year at our youth camp, the youth speaker took a moment to talk about suicide. And I remember thinking, huh, I didn't think he was going to go here. It's great that he's going there because I thought with all the COVID and now all the stats are, all the bad stats are up. I was, it just piqued my interest to see where he would go with this. He said, if you have thought about taking your life, please stand. And it was terrifying how many students stood up mm-hmm. to me. It was about 10% of the room or maybe even more. And it was overwhelming. And we were able to minister to these students. But I want to tell you something. In today's world, a lot of people have a thought at some point in their life of taking their life. Maybe it's a brief thought. Maybe it comes occasionally, okay? Where we cross the line is when you're making a plan. So I'm not saying it's okay to have suicidal thoughts either. But I'm saying it's actually not that abnormal now to have a thought of it to say, you know what, this just isn't even worth it anymore. To have a, a despair moment where you say, you know what, I don't even know why I'm here. You know, if you deal with physical pain in your body, it's very common for people who deal with great amounts of physical pain on a regular basis to think, I don't even want to live anymore. This is just, I'm always in pain. Uh, it's also very common if you deal with depression, right? Despair is when we believe there's no answer, like I can't fix this. But I've got great news for you. God can fix it. You are not stuck in your situation things can turn around for you. I really believe that. A couple of points on this before I answer the question is that God has a purpose for you. God has a destiny for you. He has a plan for your life. And so and even if you've been going through a really tough season, it's a season and you will get through this. Please do not uh, take a temporary situation and give it a permanent answer by taking your life, okay? And God gave you life. It's a gift he gave you. Please don't throw that away. If you were to take your life, by the way, thinking this is all my problem, now you're standing seconds later before God and he's looking at you saying, why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? And he may even give you a window from heaven. I don't know, but he may say, well, I wanna, I wanna show you what you've created now. Because as, as a guy who's on the other side of that decision with family and friends, I'm going to be honest with you, it's incredibly selfish. I know, and you think, wow, you're putting this on me, already in depressed. I'm telling you, think beyond yourself too. It's not just that you're ending your life, you're creating a total nightmare for your family and your friends as well. So please don't do this. God has a plan for you and it's a good plan, okay? So if you're struggling with suicide, you can actually text or call 988 and get some help. At the same time, if you're in church with us today at any of our campuses, go talk to your pastor right now. As soon as the service is over, we want to help you. We want to be here for you, okay? Just find someone today. We're here to help you through this. Now let me answer the question. The answer to the question is, if you kill yourself, can you still go to heaven or do you go to hell? If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and your Savior and you kill yourself, you're still going to be in heaven. If you've not accepted Christ as your Lord and your Savior, any way you die, you'll be going to hell. It's, heaven and hell is not a decision based upon suicide. Now, let me, let me explain how they got there. The people who do believe this would say, well, you have to ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins. If you kill yourself, you're no longer alive to ask God to forgive you. Therefore, you're going to hell. Here's the problem with that. The problem is that the problem with that view is that when Jesus died for your sins, every sin that he died for you for hadn't even been committed yet. 
So he forgave you for all your future sins, which includes the sin of suicide if you ever take your life. So if someone is a Christian and they accept Christ and they, they accept the Christ, made, made them a Christian, then they commit suicide, they're going to go to heaven. Now, having said that, God doesn't want you to kill yourself. God wants you to live. In fact, don't waste the life God gave you. He's got great plans for your life. Yes. You just need to find hope in Christ. And listen, if you're trying to find hope in this world, good luck. You're trying to find hope in a person, a relationship, a situation, because things are good and bad on any given day. You've got to find your joy in who Christ is. He is your steady rock. No yes. matter what comes your way, he is a good God and he loves you and he's here for you. Okay. So it says this in Romans. Let me read one scripture to you. Romans chapter eight says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. It's not even suicide can separate you from God's love. Can we just take a moment to pray right now with every head bowed, every eye closed? I want to just thank you for coming and being here today. And, you know, as we try to answer these questions, I don't want to miss the fact that these questions are coming from a point of pain. So right now today, if you're here and You've, you've considered taking your own life, but that's something that's been on your mind lately. I'm just going to ask you with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you lift your hand high so we can pray for you? If that's something you've considered as of late, would you just lift your hand high? Thank you. Just hold your hand high. Thank you. Thank you. I pray you found hope today. God loves you. Your life is worth living. Do not take your life Give your life to Christ instead and watch him renew you and make you new from the inside out. He's got so much left for you to do in this world. He loves you. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, you can put your hand down. If you've not given your life to Christ, you can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. Just say this prayer with me across all our campuses, those watching online, just say this with me. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, no one's looking around. If you just gave your life to Christ, would you just hold your hand high right now? If you just gave your life to Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Praise God. He's the answer that we're all looking for. He's always the answer. Praise God. Hands going up all across this church. Thank you. We see your hands at Rodfield right now. Thank you, Stone Oak. Praise God. Thank you. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Broadcast. Thank you, Rockport Fulton, Padre Island. Thank you. Those of you who are online with us right now, you can put in the text chat right now. Just text it to us. Just say, my hand's raised or click hand raised right now. You're not alone. Those of you in the prison ministry, just, just let us know. Hold your hand high. Tell someone around you, you just gave your life to Christ. Praise God. We thank God for your decision. Lord, thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. Thank you, Lord, that you are the answer. When we are in despair, when we are hurting, you are the answer. So we look to you. We call upon you. Thank you for those who just gave their life to Christ. And Lord, I thank you, God, for those who are honest enough to say they're hurting. God, I pray today before they even leave church that they would find someone and tell them so we can get them some help. They can know there's a better way to live. They're not stuck in their despair you can pull them out and pull them through. Thank you for that. Thank you for your word. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.